Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back, or at least I'm back. Matt DeCourcy here for another episode of Startup Hustle. Now, why just me today? Well, as all of us are experiencing major disruptions in our lives and our business, I am as well. And that has affected Startup Hustle. Now, first off, a couple things. I am stuck in Cebu City, Philippines. Well, not fully stuck, but kind of. And I'm going to get into that. I have actually been here for over two weeks. For purposes of understanding, I'm recording this on March 15th. 2020. And wow, what a last couple of weeks for life, the world, for business, whether you're a startup or a major corporation, the overall impact of the COVID-19 or otherwise known as coronavirus has been significant. Now, as we got through the last couple of weeks, and many of you may or may not be aware, we often record Startup Hustle in advance. And because Matt Watson and I do very frequently travel to Cebu or other places, we like to have a backup of recordings. So as my timeline and my travels move forward, I started seeing that backup or shows that we often say are in the can decrease. And while I felt that the Startup Hustle podcast was a priority, I did have to consider whether or not we would put it on pause, knowing that we weren't going to be able to get probably likely to get guests to come in and do stuff. And the more and more I thought about it, I realized that this might actually be a more important time than ever to record the show. And there's some reasons for that. And the main reason is that during interesting times and times of reason, times of challenge or crisis, having some having a voice of reason to listen to might not be the worst thing. And you know, whether you own a business, you're thinking about starting a business, or you work at someone else's business, what's going on with COVID nineteen and the coronavirus is affecting all of us, and in many ways, it's affecting us in a lot of ways that we have not yet learn to understand. Um, that means both physically and economically. And I felt that it was important to share my experience and perhaps how and why I have been doing certain things with Full Scale. Now, as I'm sure many of you are aware, Full Scale is a company owned by Matt Watson and myself. We have 184 employees in Cebu City in the Philippines. That's the second largest city in the Philippines. It has roughly 5 million people in its metropolitan area. Um, we are from Kansas City. As many of you know, that is 8,500 miles away from Cebu. So to give a little background of, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got to where I'm at. Now, I mentioned I've been here for a couple of weeks and Oh my, what that last couple of weeks has done or to both myself, my company, the people around me. And I will tell you what, I have learned more about myself, both as an entrepreneur, a leader and a person, maybe than any short 
duration that I can remember in the history of my 44 years as on this planet. Now, I felt that it was really important to share some of this because I will tell you right now, I'm going to be very, very open and very candid during this series uh, that we I'm going to call the Corona Diaries. Um, why the diaries? Because I'm going to start, you know, I, I possibly should have started recording these a while ago. So I'm going to start with you know, bringing up some of the timeline, but I will tell you what, I, I, I feel that it, it's important for me to share my experiences and my feelings. Cause I once again have been challenged as a human. Um, I have had so many emotions. I have had so many ups and downs. I've had a level of stress that I have not felt on many days. Now, I do think that we will all get through this and I do think that we're going to see challenges and um, that we're going to have to for- force ourselves to ask questions and make decisions that we either don't want to or haven't had to in the past. Um, once again, when it, com- when it came to why I felt this is important, I wanted to share my own feelings with all of you because I feel that many of you are likely feeling the same. And I think it's important that you know and understand that you're not the only one uh, that is stressed out or uh, hope, hopefully I think that sharing some of how we planned or I planned to prepare or some of the decisions that we've made, both how to be a leader or a business owner and a many, many, t- many, many, many ways just a person. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, here I am, I'm 8,500 miles away. I'm from, I'm, I'm away from my family. I have had my trip postponed twice. I am now questioning whether or not I am stuck in the Philippines for a while. And as rapidly and quickly as the landscape of the COVID-19 situation is changing, um, so is my understanding of where and when I will be home. Um, so originally I was supposed to travel home on March 15th. I mentioned that, or excuse me, March 13th, um, as the virus continued to spread throughout the world, um, things changed. There was a lot of industries affected. Um, now when I flew here on March 1st, uh, many people did in fact ask me if I was coming and I did decide to come despite being, um, cautioned or told that I might not want to. Now that said, I mentioned I, I've got 184 employees over here and, you know, we've been working on a lot of stuff for a couple of years. I got 184 people that are depending on me to be there. I've also got three really important people at home. I have a wife and I have two kids. So, um, as I prepared to travel, I did have this discussion. I did a lot of research. I tried to gain an understanding of a lot of different things, largely, um, I, I had some fears up front. I, a, I, I was afraid what happens if I get sick, B, what happens if I carry contract and carry a virus and get other people sick. And then honestly, on many levels, I was uh, at, on my way over here was, ha- had serious concerns about would I, or could I get quarantined? Um, I was at, at the time of my departure, I was beginning to see countries and places put stuff on lockdown. Um, with that, I not only had a concern about traveling in and around. Now, when I booked my original travel, well, let me back up. Normally, when we travel here, we'll usually fly to San Francisco and then we'll go to Taipei, which is in Taiwan. Taiwan is more or less either next to China or part of it. So all of the flights were canceled through Taipei. 
Now, the next step that occurred was, okay, well, what next? So all travel was then booked through the Seoul airport. That's South Korea. Now, at the time, Seoul and South Korea had not had seen a serious effect of the coronavirus. But as I booked my flight, which would have been about halfway through February, things started to change once again. And then people in South Korea, um, in an area not very close to Seoul, began to become sick with COVID-19. So I began to have some very, very um, real questions to answer as to whether or not I was willing or wanting to travel. I decided to go anyway. I felt that the things that had to occur over here and the things that I would have to deal with were also important. Why? If my business fails, not only does that let down all of the employees, it also ruins my life. That's right. It would ruin my life. I would have a very difficult time doing a whole lot of different things. And I'm assuming that many of you feel the same way. Now, I've always considered myself to be a leader, and I think that in a time of crisis or a time of need, that's where you really challenge yourself as a leader. Um, I'm not one to make promises, but I do believe that you can. the one promise you can make to others is that things will change. I made the decision to travel here because I felt that I had a commitment to the employees that I have and to my family and to myself and to my business partners and to my investors and everyone to come over here and be a leader. And that is exactly what I did. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that in the future because I'll tell you what, I learned a hell of a lot of stuff about myself with a leader as a leader. So as I began to, as I decided that I was committed to making my trip over here, I had a weird purchase that I had to make, something that I'd never really even considered before. I bought a mask. That's right. Now at the time, I could actually still do that. Although the global supply of masks and in the many forms had greatly been depleted, I managed to find a four pack of a reusable or fabric type product that I could wear across my face and begin to potentially reduce particulate matter. Um, I will tell you, for those of you that have not worn a mask like that, it was fucking weird. I'm not used to having anything strapped across my face or my mouth. So I had to get used to that. Now, as I began to leave to depart, I had a flight from Kansas City and I flew to Atlanta. had a very short layover and I got on my plane on my way to Seoul, South Korea. Now, normally on these flights, um, they're pretty full, you know, regardless of where you're traveling, they are, they are quite full. At this point, the travel had already began to slow down. Um, so here I am now, if we fly and usually fly in premium economy, it's kind of the world in between an economy seat and first class, it's usually about 50 seats on my flight to Seoul. There were seven people, seven people total. There was barely anyone on the plane. And I immediately start to see the effects and I couldn't help but think, you know, along the way, now I was well aware before I left that, that travel, hotel, dining, recreation, conferences, all kinds of stuff were very much affected. Um, but I didn't really realize it until I got onto the plane and I saw that empty plane. 
Now, the flight over there, business as usual. I didn't wear a mask at the time. There wasn't much of a threat or it didn't feel like it in the United States. Now, I arrived at Seoul, and I've never been to the Seoul airport before. Now, for those of you that are aware or unaware, the Seoul airport is one of the busiest airports in the world. I arrived at about five in the morning, and I had already put on a mask prior to that. And I'm walking around the airport, and I was expecting to see a level of screening or anything that was that was or felt unusual. Now, back to the mask thing. Um, if you've tra- when I travel to Asia, something that I've gotten used to is seeing people wearing these things. Once again, it felt weird for me, but I was used to wearing them or not. I was used to seeing other people wearing them. I would say. In a normal course of business, you'll see realistically five to ten percent of people in in uh, Asia wearing these things. Now, when I arrived, as I now on the flight over, I noticed not everyone was wearing them. It didn't, you know, most people didn't have them on. I saw almost everybody. I mean, everybody on my plane on the way out have something or they were actively applying some kind of mask across their face. So that was the first real, like, and I say real, real moment where I thought, Oh shit, you know, this is, this is, this is, I I don't want to say this is serious because I already felt that it was serious, but I started to kind of, the, the gravity started to sink in. And at that point you can't really help, but start thinking. Because, you know, a virus is not something you see. It's not something you feel. It's not something that you see rolling in like a wave or a cloud in the sky. It's invisible. And then you can't help but think, you know, like, oh, man, is this all around me? Now, I'm not a germaphobic person, but God forbid I was. I think that would have been remarkably, remarkably scary. So, you know, as I proceeded through the airport, you know, things things started to really kind of sink in. Um, I went to security and, you know, like typically when you transfer internationally, for those of you who might not travel internationally, doing it within the airports is usually a breeze. I was expecting it to be a huge hassle. It was not. I was made it through my international transfer, um, you meaning through the security off of the plane from the U.S. Uh, into Seoul in maybe 15 minutes, which... I got to be honest, is remarkably fast during non-extraordinary times. Um, when I went through security, they, 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 my bag went through the x-ray. The lady that checked my passport was wearing a mask, as was I. Um, that was the closest that I actually came to another person while in Seoul. So, and I say that because... There were barely any people in the Seoul airport. One of the busiest airports in the world was noticeably empty. Now, the Seoul airport wins a lot of awards for being awesome. Um, And one of the things that people think is pretty cool is they have these info bots. These are literally robots that are rolling around, kind of picture Rosie from the Jetsons or something. And, you know, they're driving around and they have, a, you know, the eyes and the mouth. And but, but what was really, really creepy and weird were these things, they were there and you can't help but be drawn to them. And you look at them and they're walking, they're rolling around talking about COVID-19. So that was, that was also a very real check. Now, as I, as I continue through the Seoul airport, I, 
you know, really the gravity of everything started sinking in. I was very spaced out from people. I actually proceeded to go to my gate where I sat down in an area where I was more or less by myself. And I had a three and a half hour layover before my flight to Cebu. I basically sat there the whole time where I wasn't with any, within any noticeable distance. I did walk a lap around the airport once again, masked up feeling weird, but I, you know, with that, I, I continued, I continued to look through the airport and I did one little lap. I said, might as well, you could tell that the effects of the virus had had really taken a hold on everyone there because pretty much anyone and everyone wearing a mask. And, you know, we've seen some pictures on social media of some people like basically wearing hazmat suits. I did see one lady that um, she wasn't wearing a hazmat suit, but she was uh, very much protected um, wearing what kind of looked to be like a helmet. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, you know, very, very, very real when I got there. Now here comes my flight for Cebu. And I'm excited to get out of South Korea just because it had received the headlines that it had seen lately. I felt comfortable at that time. I felt that uh, if, in fact, people or anyone had this virus in around that area, I hadn't even come close enough to people to potentially contract it. Now, any flight into Cebu is usually somewhat full. Um, there's a lot of connecting flights. Uh, Cebu is the second biggest fit city in the Philippines, but it's not Manila. So it doesn't get as many flights and therefore the ones that you get on to are, are usually um, pretty full. Now, that was certainly not the case with mine. I, uh, I was on a 737 or one of those seven versions of the airplane that have a couple hundred seats on them. You're talking... 50, 60 rows or 40, I don't know. There's a lot. It was a big airplane. There were about 20 people on this whole entire plane. And I'm, and I'm including the people that were working. Um, people that were working, once again, masked up fully. And there were a couple groups of people and myself. I did not have anybody I counted. I did not have anybody eight rows in front of me or eight rows behind me. That's right. Out of 16 rows or 100 seats, I actually had that big of a gap. There were a couple families in the front, a couple in the back and me. And man, that felt weird. I mean, there was like, you know, now at the same time, I will say I did feel a little bit more comfort in the fact that it was so spacious because if I'm going to get a virus, I have to get it from someone that is spreading the virus. So now, once again, that felt weird. At this point, it really was still in my head. I'm like, oh my God. So now here's the thing. I'm coming up on Cebu. Remember at the beginning of this episode, I talked about, I had a basic fear of quarantine. I wasn't really sure what to expect. Things were changing so quickly. Um, some governments at that point had started banning in and out. They were just really taking a hard look at everything. And keep in mind, at this point, I am a foreigner traveling into another country. Now, many of the travel bans at that time were disallowing foreign visitors. So, you know, part of what I found to be the most difficult um, part of my decision was what I, you know, what would happen? So I want you to picture this. 
you pull up anywhere in a foreign country, no one's use the Philippines because that was my reality. And your legitimate concern is that you can or could get quarantined into a foreign medical facility for any reason. Now, if you have ever gone on a 28 hour trip, you know that it's easy to maybe feel a little hot, a little warm. You you know, you've been sitting in a seat, you're feeling gross, you're feeling greasy. As we approached the air, the airport, I felt warm. I just did. I, I, I'm usually feeling warm anyway. It's kind of a joke at, at any, at the office. Cause I usually turn the air down quite a bit. I'm hot blooded. What can I say now? I was feeling a little warm and I started thinking because I had been told by our COO who had been in Cebu the week before that they were scanning your temperature. Now I had never been anywhere where they zap your forehead with a laser and check out your temperature. I couldn't help but think about the scene from I Am Legend where Will Smith and his family are trying to get on the helicopter to escape the island and they scan his wife and they scan his daughter and they say negative, negative or positive, positive. And he freaks out, wants them tested again, which did occur and they were okay. But at that point, that scan would have yanked them away. So I get to, I arrive in Cebu and I pull up on the, um, the, you know, the, the entry port in the airport, you know, where they check your passport and stuff like that. Once again, nobody there. Like at once when I arrived, I actually arrived with Matt Watson. We waited over an hour to be processed. So to see nobody in line was once again, a very interesting reality of what was going on in the world. And keep in mind, this is at the beginning of March. This is before shit got super real like it has recently. Now I approach, I had to fill out a new form asking me a lot of questions, asking me where I'd been, how long. Now keep in mind at the time, South Korea isn't really a great place to have stepped foot in recently. So I had to declare that on my form. Now, I figured that they weren't going to just throw me in germ jail because I had been in South Korea. If they had a problem with that, why would they even be accepting incoming flights? So I walked up, I handed my form. They looked at my password. Here's three women. They were all masked up, um, as was I. I had to remove my mask so they could verify my passport picture, which right there would have unsealed me from the world. And they looked at it and they zapped my forehead. And I, I will admit, I felt a weird sense of anxiety that I had never felt. I had never experienced that at any point in my life. Remember, I'm trying to give you the Corona diaries here. I'm trying to give you a, a interesting account of what it's like to travel internationally right now. They zapped my forehead. All three smiled and nodded. I went on. They stamped my book and off, uh, off I went. So at this point in Cebu, things were feeling really, really normal. Um, you know, it's a busy place. There's a lot going on. Um, one of our employees, uh, brother runs a van service. Uh, he picked me up at the airport. 
took me to the office where I arrived. Everyone, as usual, was happy and glad to see me. That was a, a welcome. A, a, I was warmly welcomed, and business felt like it was going to move on as usual. Now I was looking forward to two full weeks. I had a ton of stuff to do. I had a whole lot of things to get into. Now I'm going to save a lot of how that timeline goes for the next episode and the coming one. And once again, the reason I'm recording this is, you know, I'm aware that we are all likely in for an interesting uh, remainder of March, April, and who knows 2020. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, I wanted to first set the, the state of, of how I ended up, you know, how, what my trip was like to Cebu. Now, some of the things that I'm going to continue to cover and, and you know what, I hope with all of my heart that I don't have to consider recording the Corona diaries for too long. Um, I, I really much like all of you would like to see this miserable shit get past us. Um, I, I have always pledged throughout the startup hustle, the lifetime of the startup hustle podcast to be open transparent and real. Uh, many of you, I've received more feedback over the last couple years in regards to the podcast that said that the reason that you might listen to it is that, is we're not afraid to talk about failure. We're very open. We're very reasonable. And I think that at any, if at any time that mission statement about the show was the most important, this is it. So in the coming episodes of this, in the coming installments of the Corona Diaries, I'm going to work hard to catch up to a current timeline. Um, I'm going to give you a lot of insight about how I decided to lead. Now, over the last few days, meaning the, the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th of March, and like I said, I usually don't mention dates during the show because we do record it in advance, but I think that timeline and timestamps are more important in this. During those four days, I have met more challenges as a leader and an entrepreneur and a person than I've ever found. I will tell you, I have ups and downs. I have cried. I have felt anger. I have felt anxiety. I have felt warmth and I have felt motivation and so many different things that quite honestly, it has nearly pulled me in so many different directions that it sometimes um, I, I, I wondered or questioned how others with maybe less experience or I don't know. I honestly, I feel on many, many levels, I'm made for the challenges that I am embracing right now and not everybody might be. So I'm here to help you understand how you might be able to plan, prepare, and decide. I have had to make decisions and have found holes and things in my business that I thought, I honestly, I'd never thought of. Like, what do you do if one of your employees tests positive for COVID-19? What's your plan or procedure for handling that? How do you decide or determine whether or not you should send your employees home from work? When is that a responsible decision and when is it not? I'm going to give you an example. At full scale, we have developers that work on an AI machine learning 
platform that helps determine the path of sickness. Wow. How important could that be right now? It's a very important product and it is something that has an effect on a lot of people. And if I were to shut my office down, do I then prevent access for those employees to come in and do something meaningful? In regards to full scale, some of the things I was challenged with is I'm not the only one or we are not the only people experiencing major turmoil. My decisions not only affect 184 employees, they affect their families, they affect their ability to earn, they affect their ability to feel comfortable, to reduce anxiety. And then also, if they aren't available, we have over 40 different companies that use our services full time from a tech standpoint. So realistically, the widespread nature of the decisions that I make as the CEO are heavy, 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 heavy. And it weighed on me. It really did. Um, I mean, weighed on me in a way that that I, I predict that when I talk about those specifically during these diaries, I you will probably sense the emotion. I feel it right now, just even big, and I'm not even fully getting into it. Um, I mentioned that the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship are more pronounced right now than any time that I can remember it. And people, I've been doing this for a while. So, you know, with that, dealing with everything related to COVID-19, both current and planning for the future are important. There are things you're going to need to consider and plan for that you need to be out in front of and you need to consider and not just try to do in real time. Everyone in the world is going to be affected by this situation. 100% of the global population will feel effects of COVID-19. There you go. I said it. You are not going to avoid it. No one is going to avoid it. It's going to affect supply chains. It's going to affect runways. It's going to affect cash. It's going to affect headcount. Everything, all of it is connected globally. The world is a hell of a lot smaller than you think it is. Now, leadership is crucial right now. If you're a leader at your company, the time to be and step up as a leader is now. It is hard. You're going to, no one has any experience dealing with this exact situation. Global pandemic, that's something we've seen in movies. It hasn't been real for the US listeners, especially. This is nothing we have even come close to encountering before. Now I'm in Asia right now. They've been through this. They've had bird flu, swine flu. They've dealt with this. There is actually a level of preparedness and experience that has occurred in Asia over the last couple decades. Now, you're going to be forced to determine a lot of priorities. I mentioned that I've been here for two weeks. My first week was uplifting and amazing. My second week here was a test of everything about me. 
everything about my ability to make decisions, to be a leader and care about everything. And I am going to give you details at one point, And I'll just give you a preview. At one point I spoke to our whole company and was telling them that we will make decisions based on real time. And I had had significant input. The employees, many wanted to work from home and many said, I don't, I need to come here. I want the ability to provide for my family. I can't do that from home. I might not have the, the anything. Literally during this speech, I was telling everyone that we were going to stay the course and that I actually elected to extend my trip and stay with them. That went over very well. And then I finished the speech and I went and opened my laptop and I found that the president of the Philippines had decided to lock down Manila, the capital, 12 million people. Holy shit. So you want to talk about things changing. I literally went from giving a speech that was so well received that, I mean, I instilled a sense of confidence and then they saw the same thing I did. So you know, literally within the course of two hours of feeling like I was giving a state of the union, I had to go back and do it again. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. We're going to spend some time talking about who is affected the industries that are really, really in trouble here. And people, there are a lot. They, they are, there are a whole lot. We're going to talk about some of the things that you might be able to find and manage that might not have been been possible. The government is releasing assistance for small businesses. They are doing a lot of stuff through the SBA and other stuff. The U.S. government, the world government, governments everywhere are going to have to prop up our business because here at the point of recording this, I will tell you the world is about to lock down. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to return home to the United States anytime soon. What the fuck? I mean, for real, like think about how that feels. I have a wife and two kids. I was supposed to be home by now. I elected to stay and help make sure that our business didn't come apart at the seams. And man, I discovered so much about it. That is something I'm going to prioritize. I'm actually going to possibly bounce around a little bit during the time frame here because there's some things I think you might need to consider that might come a little later. So this isn't all going to be chronological. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about what you can expect in the future from your business, what you have to be prepared for and what you have to learn to deal with. Um, I think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, like you're going to have to consider things that quite honestly, you might not have thought about. I have some real insight for that. And I'm also going to share a whole lot of stuff when it comes to readiness, continuity, and just any kind of planning. So anyway, you might be looking at being home for a while. You're probably looking for something to do. I can only imagine the volume that Netflix is going to be pushing out over the coming weeks. With that, I want to invite you to join me as I continue to get involved with you. I'm going to try to have some episodes where we can hopefully get Matt Watson on the line. That's challenging. We're 13 time zones apart. We're all dealing with our own chaos and calamity. Anyway, see y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.